Welcome back to the MLS Net Boys Podcast. I'm your host, Chase, with my good friend, Jacob. How are you doing after a heartbreaking Timbers loss? You know, every week we get on here, we always just open up with just a disappointing news about Portland, but I'm recovered well. Not like one of my other friends, though. I think we're both doing better than somebody else we know, but... It was, a, it was a frustrating game to watch. We were both at the game. Uh, we went up with a group of friends. It was a good time despite the result, but uh, we'll get into that game here shortly. How about starting off our first taste of Champions League soccer in MLS this season? We have a pretty concacaf round of games that went off here. How about, how about when we start off with Austin, Chase? Oh, Austin. What did what even happened with these guys? They played against a a team from Haiti that couldn't even play in Haiti because of some civil unrest. A team that I think I saw they hadn't played in like over a hundred days. They haven't played a game in over a hundred days, which is ridiculous. They their Twitter account wasn't active since twenty eighteen. I don't know if you saw any of the game, but did you see that giant like tree behind the goal? Like half the stadium was just like I don't even know where it was at, but like it was like Pete Concacaf, and then Violette just their strategy was just cross to that giant striker in the middle. It was like a pro clubs game, just watching them lob it up to the big man. But it worked. It was two nil, and then a genius play by Emro Tarek. Brad Stuver makes a great save on that tall guy for a header when Austin's defending. Ball pops out, and then Emro Tarek with a ten out of ten finish into his own net, own goal for Austin. What was that guy thinking, dude? He he must be like good friends with Kip Keller or something. He's just like, I got to give this guy a starting spot back because that was, I have no clue what was going through his head there, but just a terrible result for Austin. Everybody's hyping them up as this, you know, shield contenders, and they can't even beat some team from Haiti that hasn't played in over a hundred days. That probably half of their guys are playing part time. You know, that some of them are like butchers or like random like. <laughs> just work at like the rail yard or something yeah it's always you always root for those sort of teams though like whenever i watch that it's like you know you watch the olympics and yeah there's like it shows you like normally with other players where it's like their previous club was or like their hometown or like you know what national team they play for no it's like pe teacher comma for this guy but they yeah. do some inspirational story about how he like finds time after like making dinner for his three kids and working his day job he goes and trains at like the park or something to play for his team yeah what what a story i'm rooting for you know the mls teams to do good obviously but it's kind of hard not to not hard not to root for a team like this who just barely a professional team and then they just smack austin uh moving on though alianza from honduras hosting philadelphia nil nil draw not much to say about this other than there was a dog that ran on the field. Did you see that on Instagram? I did. I, so did you see the footage that came out of how that dog made it on the field? There was like a security guard that had a gate. There was a gate that kept the dog out. And the guy, for whatever reason, thought he could open the door and like tell the dog to go away or something. And the dog just slips past him. I don't know what he was thinking. He could have just left it closed, left the dog on the other side. But that dog made a beeline onto the field and straight for the ball. Yeah, that was that was kind of fun. I always enjoy seeing weird stuff like that, dude. Be- better dude, touch on the ball than Nias Goda. Dude, Timbers, sign him up, man. That got to be better than Maviola yeah, in the we, back can line. He, can, he, can he play center back? Yeah, That's exactly. the second coming of Diego Chara, right there, dude. That's right. <laughs> Moving on, this was the big one here. Tigres hosting Orlando. This is when we predicted. I predicted a one nil Tigres win. Chase, I think you were. Two? I said 3 0. I, I thought T Grace was going to blow him out of the water. Loser. <laughs> Orlando gets out with the draw. Pedro Galese went crazy and he made a lot of saves. And then hey, I, I may have got my prediction wrong, but that's my goalkeeper of the year nominee. Interesting one with this, too. So they're heading back to Orlando for the second leg. Andres Pierre Gignac can't play in the away leg because he's not vaccinated. Because he can't come to the to the U.S. from Mexico, so wow, that's all what we'll a, say about that. What a blow for Tigres. Gignac is a, a baller for those guys, so that's that's going to be tough, especially with uh, 
I think Orlando being at home, those fans in the standing section on the north end or wherever they're at in that stadium, just bouncing, just rocking the stands on a good old CONCACAF Champions League fixture. Yeah, I really want to see Orlando make some make some damage in this. Like, I don't know. Out of all these teams, you know, Philly and LAFC are the favorites, but how cool would it be to see like a Vancouver, uh, you know, Orlando City make some This headlines? competition screams Oscar Pereja to me, dude. Like this, I feel like he's going to be up for it. Yeah. And they're going to, you know, they're going to fill up about a quarter of their stadium for this CONCACAF fixture and they're going to just will their team to victory. And he's got experience in it from uh, Dallas and uh, wherever he was manager at in Mexico. I believe he was in it. Moving on, though, Vancouver hosting Real España 5 0. Smacked this poor Honduran team. I don't have much else to say because. You know, that's great that they're getting some form in CCL, but it's not looking good for them in the league. Um, moving on, this one was really impressive. LAFC went to Alajuense and won 3-0. They had a crazy supporter section there in Costa Rica and a Dennis Buanga hat trick at Alajuense. Yeah, I saw some of the highlights, and LAFC just looked crisp. Like, they just they just look up for it already. So I think that they're kind of gearing up for a deep run in, in CONCACAF, it looks like. And, yeah, all of those goals, I don't know. It was like Ryan Hong's head bursting down the right-hand side, fizzes across goal, Buenga's open on the on the left side, tap-in goal. So that's CCL, yeah. LAFC, Vancouver, definitely Tigre, or Orlando setting themselves up well for the next round. But let's move on to the league games. First off, Charlotte hosting Atlanta, and Atlanta wins 3-0 at Charlotte. Yeah, Atlanta is just kind of heating up now, man. I'm not really excited to watch the Timbers go there next week because they're starting to come into form. I think I saw it was like two goals. I forget. There's like one like right before halftime, but it looked like a solid performance from Atlanta overall. So, I mean, not a team that you want to come up against in this time of the season. Yeah, youngster uh, U.S. national team or under-20 national team player Caleb Wiley left back for the national team, but they played him as a winger in this game. He was really active. Two goals and assists, so he's involved in every goal. Kind of makes the Tui Loma. I, I know a lot of Charlotte fans are talking down on Tui Loma because they spent big on him, and so far they lost the first game, lost the second game where he conceded an own goal, and now 3-0 at home. Really disappointing for Charlotte, I think. Yeah. I mean, I might have a little bit of a soft spot for Tulioma, but you can't really talk down on your center back so much when your midfield just can't stop any sort of threat coming at you. You know what? If this is just going to be a Tulioma apologetic tour, then maybe we should just stop this podcast. This is the MLS Tulioma podcast. Moving on. Vancouver Whitecaps hosting FC Dallas. 1-1 draw. We got Sebastian Ibiaga. Gets his first goal for Dallas since coming over from LAFC. And then Vancouver ties it up via a Paul Ariola own goal. Point for each team. Vancouver yet to get a win in league competition. How's this result for both teams? Uh, I mean, solid for Dallas to snag a point on the road, but I think both teams probably expect more. FC Dallas probably wants more out of a game against Vancouver because they're clearly the better team. Vancouver uh, obviously expects more points at home. If they're going to really grow anything this year. They really kind of want to start picking points up somewhere, and they might as well do it at home. Yeah, I, I think that's well said. Here's a big one. Here's one of uh, probably one of the best matchups this week. Cincinnati hosting Seattle. And thank God, Cincinnati wins 1-0, and Seattle's unbeaten streak is gone, or else, you know, MLS.com and Extra Time would have just been fawning over the Sounders for another week. But Seattle, honestly, a little unfortunate. They had a goal disallowed at the end. I'm not saying it shouldn't have been, but they would have felt heart done by. A bear was injured, so he couldn't play this game. Rui Diaz is already, you know, coming back into, off of injury. So... Their main guys were, were gone. Freddie Montero got the start. But what else? How about for Cincinnati's end? It's a huge result. It's uh, it's great for them, I mean, to put that into the Seattle Sounders streak. And 
as a Timbers fan, I love to see it. I know we were definitely keeping an eye on that score as we were making our way up to Providence Park, but great for me as well, seeing Brenner snag a goal. I think he's, you know, putting in a good shout for that MVP, uh, you know, candidate already. But Seattle, I don't know. I think they'll still be strong throughout the season. As much as I hate them, I think this is just bound to happen throughout the season. They're going to come up against a strong team like this, and they can't just be perfect, you know? They can't just have the defenders just miss wide open headers so Jordan Morris is open on the back post, but you know what happens. Dude looks like a bulldog. I'm just kidding. Those guys have been dominant this year. DC hosting Orlando City. Orlando had the CONCACAF round midweek, so it was a 1-1 draw. Chris Durkin scores to level it up for (laughs) Chris Durkin's funny. What a name, dude. Chris Durkin. But yeah, Orlando played a heavily rotated squad. Dagger Dan got the start for them. Hey, Dagger Dan. But yeah, DC, it sounded like they had a lot of chances. I know Benteke was denied really close range from Galese. But, you know. That's kind of the story of Benteke's time in MLS so far. The dude just finds, like, he has, like, a lot of, uh, like, he has a pretty high XG. Like, he creates a lot of good opportunities for himself. His movement's great. He finds these opportunities, but the dude cannot finish. Yeah, dif- disappointing, you know. But I think since DC got the late equalizer, you know, not a terrible start to the year for them, honestly. You know, mm-hmm. they got to win the first week, got another point here. I'm kind of surprised by it, honestly. It looks like, too, they're in talks with uh, Nottingham Forest uh, midfielder as well, so... Maybe some extra signings to bolster them. So Yeah, they're going to trade uh, that midfielder for Wayne Rooney, actually. <laughs> Wayne Rooney's just going to dip for the first smell of a English team, like like before when he was a player. Yep, yep. he's going to just leave this team, and they're just going to be lost. Moving on to New York City FC's home opener. They played Miami, who was undefeated, and that streak ends. New York City wins 1-0. New York City scored a goal. It was an own goal from Miami. Not much to say here for me, honestly. Yeah, I mean, New York City definitely looked stronger with James Sands in the midfield coming back from his loan. I think it was smart for them to recall him early because he definitely wasn't getting any game time at Rangers. He wasn't going to get a look in. And he was going to end his loan in the summer anyway. So it's smart for them to bring him back. Um, But kind of, I think, like a little bit of a reality check for both teams. Like New York City looks better. They're going to continue to get better. And then Inter-Miami being undefeated for two games kind of was fortunate for them. They didn't really definitely, didn't look like they deserved. But they won. Those wins, they they definitely did win. They got the wins, but... It was kind of fortunate. Um, they can't rely on banger goals every week that just come from a really low XG um, position. It kind of kind of proved that Miami isn't going to be up there pushing for like a top three, top two spot. Yeah, and a- another key acquisition for New York City, Santi Rodriguez uh, coming back. His loan expired, but they got him permanently now. So that's another player, Maxi Rodriguez or Maxi Morales replacement. Um, to kind of fill in that hole. Another one that left it late, it was Philadelphia hosting Chicago Fire. <laughs> Chicago with two red cards in this. Fabian Herber- Herbers with a red, and then Kai Kamara with a red. Um, but Philly gets a late goal from Joaquin Torres, their offseason signing, who looks like a great player for them already. He's got assists, goals, Definitely like one of those pieces that can help them make a deep run in lots of competitions. Yeah, this is just the Philly way, man. Like they just grind out these results no matter what. I mean, they're definitely kind of far and away the best team in the league right now. And even when they're having an off day like this, they just grind out a result and snag a goal in the 90th minute to go, you know, with the three points on to the next week. Have you not seen the Rapids play? <laughs> I have, and that's exactly why I'm saying this. Yeah, good win, good win for Philly, Chicago. I'm just feel feel bad for. Just, Maybe if they had better jerseys, they would actually win some don't games. Don't you dare disrespect that. How do you not have a sponsor? How are you such an unlikable club that nobody wants to sponsor you? 
I mean, to be fair, can can't you even name... get can't even get Bimbo to sponsor you, dude. What the heck? Worst sponsor in the league, Toronto <laughs> yeah, FC for the worst team in the league. Toronto FC hosting Columbus Crew. Devin Kerr scores for Toronto FC, but Jimmy Madronda scores his first goal for Columbus. The free agent signing for him. One one draw. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to catch this game, but just looking at the stats, I mean, Columbus looks pretty dominant. 17 shots to Toronto 7. Um, I mean, that uh, part of that comes from Toronto getting snagging an early goal in the first half in the 20th minute, and then uh, Columbus probably just pouring on the pressure there. But, I mean, Columbus looks like they're just getting stronger and stronger. Um, from the highlights I saw, they're just, they're, they look like they're getting cleaner. They're kind of getting a little bit more um, used to Wilfred Nance's system. So I think they're on they're on the up. They're kind of growing with him. Yeah, I think a, a positive for Toronto at least is they help, they let in one goal, but their defense has been so poor. So, you know, last league winning and letting in one goal, getting a draw, same with this week. At least the back line maybe looks like it's stabilizing a bit, but huge news. Keegan Hughes didn't make the start or the bench for the crew. Chase is the biggest Keegan Hughes fan. What do you have to say about that? Give him some time, man. Give him some time. Let him cook. The lad's young. Let him cook. We're, you know, this is not. This isn't like a throw him in the just the freaking instapot. This is like a throw the guy on the pan. Let him simmer all season. We're letting him marinate right now. This guy is going to be huge. I'm telling you. Are you saying he could be the next? Zach McGraw, even better. I'm saying he could be the next Nat Borchers. It's a good shout. Here's one we had as one of our prediction games of the week. Ended up kind of a stinker. Kansas City nil, LA Galaxy nil, Kansas City hosting. And what else can you say? Both teams get a point. What a disappointing game. You know, it's a crazy stat. Kansas City with 30 shots in this game. That is nuts. I was going to say, I was watching a bit of it when I was in the concessions lines at the Timbers game, and I know they had a disallowed goal as well. So Kansas City definitely looked like they were getting chances but can't capitalize. I think I'd be more happy. It's frustrating to not get three points at home, but when you're out shooting a team that bad, I think that bodes well for you. I think that's promising, and you can maybe turn that around. You know what that screams to me is that screams – how bad Kansas City's attack is at putting away chances and how bad LA Galaxy's defense is at stopping chances. Yeah, I agree. And I think 30 shots with zero goals. That's pretty bad, dude. 30 that, shots. They had only had 11 on target. Versus yeah. I mean, LA only had 8 shots with 2 on target and they kind of dominated possession a little bit, but still just kind of seems like it was pretty poor performance from both teams there. Yeah, I agree. Definitely, definitely a disappointing one. Not, not a whole lot of positives, I wouldn't say, for that game. Moving on, Minnesota won. New York Red Bulls won. I feel like there's a lot of ties this week, but this is kind of cool. It was a snow game. They got the orange ball out there. I please, think. please tell me you're gonna pronounce the full name of this Minnesota goal scorer. You know what? You can look it up online if you want to, but he got Bongo a goal. Bongo Kule Huang Kwangwan. That's that's better than I would have done. But you know, Minnesota's still without Reynoso, and you know they're getting a point at home. Disappointing to not win at home, but I think it's a good draw for the Red Bulls. They're playing away from home in the snow. Scrap out a draw. You know, you'll take a point where you can get it on the road. Yeah, I agree. Not not a ton more to say about this game, really. Another one, Nashville continuing a strong start. 2-0. Schaffelberg gets a goal. And Washington, one of their like USL players from back in the day, stays with the club, and he finally gets his first goal. And yeah, Nashville with a strong start to the season, 7 out of 9 points. Uh, Montreal, though, really disappointing. They've had a poor start to the year i think they're zero and three or three losses on the season terrible montreal not looking so good one promising thing is they definitely dominated possession this game but that kind of plays into nashville style that kind of sit back and defend a little bit but uh jacob schaffelberg kind of my surprise of the season the guy has been pretty solid for them so far and i mean i 
honestly, I, I can say I didn't really watch him too much last year, but really, uh, really impressing me with how he's played so far. Yeah, for sure. Bright spot for, for Nashville as well. So moving on, Rail Salt Lake hosting Austin and Austin getting the away victory 2-1. to one. I don't know if you saw this or any of the highlights, but both of the Austin goals, just absolute screamers from outside of the box. It was pretty awesome to watch. But Salt Lake losing at home to Sounds the team like- who just put up that stinker against that semi-pro team. Sounds like Austin was taking out some anger on Rail Salt Lake, but just I think as a Rail Salt Lake fan, they probably just have grown accustomed to it. Similar to as a Portland fan, we just kind of just randomly just catch these games at home. They're just like, why did I buy a ticket to this game, dude? Just what a waste of like an evening. Just this stupid team owned by Matthew McConaughey with their <laughs> green digital line jerseys destroys your team at home. <laughs> Uh, poor, poor Rail Salt Lake. At least Justin Glad got the goal. I think that guy's a solid MLS defender. I really like him. Same here. Yeah, Owen Wolf, son of Josh Wolf, Austin's coach, scored. Do you think this is like Claudio Reyna's dream scenario? He becomes sporting director, coach at Dortmund, and just makes his son play ninety minutes a game. Claudio Reyna, the worst uh, signing for New York Red Bulls in their history. Controversial take. Moving on to a game. Actually, why don't we skip that game? Portland-St. Louis? I don't think anything happened. Yeah, there wasn't much to talk about there. <laughs> but uh, we should go over it. We should go over how disappointing this game was. We were there last night. We were uh, we were there for the hype. Zach McGraw popping off with a nice header goal in the third minute. And then just the MLS villain, Jared Stroud, popping up. In the, like the forty sixth minute to just finish off a chance that we thought in real time was going to be offsides, it was reviewed, wasn't offsides, and then just onto a second half where the Portland Timbers couldn't really find a footing in the game. So disappointing. Yeah, McGraw scores. We we had a good view of it. We were pretty close, and you know Portland had a lot of chances in like the first five minutes. I thought it was going to be a blowout, but man, Jared Stroud ticks me off. We lost to this team. With a dog food sponsor, can't believe it. it watching after watching St. Louis in person, and uh, you know, I mean, I've watched their highlights and I've seen how they play, but seeing them for a full game kind of confirms my thoughts about them. But this is definitely a team that I don't know. They're just their style is not super fun to watch. I would say, and I'm not really saying this as like a bias, like just because they beat the Timbers, but from what I've seen from the first two games, is my suspicion like they're just they create chaos. And then they just jam the ball up the middle of the field and they just hope that something's going to happen. They have like a couple moments where they had some good passing pieces, but that kind of just comes from them just creating chaos and then having like guys up there just to like hit these passes where most of the time it gets cut out and occasionally they get some like nice passing plays, but they don't look like a super strong team. I'm really excited to see them come up against like a Philly or like an LAFC, like a team that's going to dominate the ball around them while like Jao Klaus and Jared Stroud just run around and cry for yellow cards very nice of him too to send in uh nicholas jalkini just to run into the backs of portland players and fall down and win free kicks so yeah yeah let's move on from that game it was a frustrating game overall but cool thing though st louis three wins perfect in their first three games first season that's that's pretty cool for them we saw their their team buses on our way to the stadium too yeah, and chased through a brick right through the window right after the game. It was kind of that wasn't me. That was the uh, street resident in the tent next to their bus. Moving on, San Jose hosting the Colorado Rapids, and San Jose wins one nil. Christian Espinosa gets a goal. Rapids, what a stinker to the season for them! Zero goals scored in three games. You know why? Because they haven't signed Jeremy Obosi. I I really like the San Jose team. I don't even want to talk about Rapids. That's just a piss poor performance from them, man. 40% possession, six shots, zero on target. San Jose is looking good. I I really like the San Jose team. I like the way they're kind of making their 
Their lineup is just looking solid front to back. It's not the best in the league, but it's definitely a team that you could see making like a good cup run. Or um, I, keep, I always space the name of it, but that competition in the summer. League's Cup, same yeah. group as Portland. I know that's going to be tough. It's it's I I'm not looking forward to having them in our group. This could be the Jeremy Abobasi revenge revenge tour right now. But yeah, you know, I score a hat trick against Portland in Portland. I agree. Yeah, it's exciting times for a San Jose fan, which you can't have said for the last eleven years. But I really liked a lot of their moves. Same with the Rapids, but it, unlike the Rapids, it's paying off for San Jose. I predict them to finish fifth this year. Feeling pretty good about that so far. And Crazy George has been waiting for this forever, man. I hope I hope he's doing well and has no health issues. <laughs> last last game here. LAFC hosting New England. And this one is not happened at the time of our recording. It's happening today. And I think it'll be an interesting game. LAFC is looking solid. Lineups still aren't posted, so you can't even look at that. But I think LAFC probably is going to pull the win out in this game just because, like we've talked about many times before, their their whole team is just so strong. Yeah, I two two solid teams. Last two Supporter Shield winning teams, um, which is kind of cool. LAFC coming off of that win against Portland, so they're 1-0 to start the season, one win. And New England with two wins, zero losses, so... Two undefeated teams, technically, and I'm excited. And you know what else it is? It's the Latif Blessing homecoming. Latif Blessing Derby. That's what this is, dude. So, yeah, I think that's an exciting one, and it kicks off a couple hours after we're recording this, so not able to cover the results, unfortunately. That is every game, huh? We've gone through every game now. Every single game. All right. Moving on, though, Shall I we? think last week we mentioned this, but we're going to go ahead. We want to go over every team's worst signing in the MLS era. It's going to be a little bit more recent as, uh, you know, we weren't exactly watching back in the early 2000s or the 90s. Um, but we're going to go through and we're going to do just the Eastern Conference today. We're going to go through and discuss the worst signing for each team. I'm going to let you take the lead on this because you definitely have way more like off the field knowledge than I do. Um, Some of these teams, some of these guys I definitely know a little bit more about, but some of them also are just the most random polls that you would hear somebody just like randomly shout out and just be like, who the heck is that guy? So yeah, if you're new to the league and you know, you just watch mainly European soccer or I know a lot of people with the Apple TV deal are able to watch now you're not going to recognize most of these players, but we went deep. We went deep in the archives, Wikipedia, Transfer Market, and, yeah, we're trying to find the worst signing for each club. Starting off alphabetical order, so Atlanta is up first. Kenwin Jones, and he was a Premier League striker. He's from Trinidad and Tobago, the best national team in the world, and he played... 2-1, never forget. He played 17 games for Atlanta United in their inaugural season. And I remember leading up to this when Atlanta was announced, and he was announced as their big player. And it looked like a good signing on paper. This guy was in the Premier League and the championship playing at a high level. Didn't really translate to MLS. And, yeah, he he ended up, I think, 17 appearances, which is maybe in tribute to the 17s of Atlanta. And... Ends up getting his MLS rights traded to Sporting Kansas City in exchange for like a backup goalkeeper and some draft picks. So they didn't really think too highly of him, I don't think. Yeah, not a great signing for them. A guy that put up his best career season uh, with Southampton, the championship, back in 2006. So I don't know exactly what they were thinking when they when they brought him on board. I mean, he... He had one season in the Prem with Sunderland in 2008 where he cracked double digits with 10 goals. But other than that, it was just a decline for year on year. And, I mean, shortly before they got him, like, he he put up, like, zero goals, one goal, one goal, and then he popped off in the championship with Cardiff with 11 goals. The next season he got five goals, and Atlanta signed him to be their big, like, signing. Guy popped off with two goals for Atlanta. (laughs) So you're telling me his... 
best season was 11 years before they actually signed him. Yeah. 14 goals, 4 assists. I think that says enough. That's like a mediocre season for most people. Like as a prim, like a like a random Euro snob would see 14 and 4 and they would just like scoff at it and not care. Exactly. Congratulations to Kenwin Jones on the worst player in Atlanta history. Moving on. Kenwin, come on the show, dude. He is he's too busy. He's the Trinidad and Tobago women's national team coach. <laughs> My man's out here coaching the largest Caribbean <laughs> women's national team. Moving on, Charlotte FC. We only really have one season and three games to pull from, but I think there's a pretty obvious one. It's Camille Zazwiak from Derby, the Polish winger. And, yeah, I was just looking on Twitter, and Matt Doyle brought up this tweet from when they just signed him, and he was, you know, in the championship, he was playing under Rooney at that time, and he had some caps to Poland, and I think he played in the Euros, and they were saying, you know, this guy, people were asking him if he could translate to the level of MLS because he came from championship. And they were saying, oh, yeah, this guy's played against Holland. He's played against he's played against these big clubs and big international teams. You know, this guy can do it in MLS. He can do it in Salt Lake. Zero goals, three assists. Three assists. It's funny you mentioned the the Derby County when he was playing for uh, Wazaruni. So he played for Derby County for two years. He got a combined across two years. I mean, the first year he got 41 appearances. Second year he got 17. So that's a total of 58 appearances. Guess how many uh, goals and assists he got across 58 appearances? Oh, man. I was just looking at this. Is it like six? No. He got one goal three assists across 58 appearances. Man, why would you, you know, <laughs> doesn't seem like a bad player to have on your roster for sure, you know, coming from the championship, but why would you make a guy like that your DP? I'll never understand. Well, his best season in his career was in 2019 with uh, eight goals and four assists and 35 appearances for uh, Lech Poznan in Poland. So it's just, doesn't make sense from, from a, uh, I mean, if I was a Charlotte fan, I'd be pretty upset that we pulled this guy. And occasionally, Timbers get linked with guys like this, and you look at their stats, and you're just like, why are we looking at him? Why Why are we trying to pull this in when there's so many other players out there that are like performing at a way higher rate? Exactly. Moving on to the Chicago Fire, and there was honestly a lot of players you could choose for Chicago. They've been a... <laughs> a poor Chicago... They're stupid jerseys. So many years of misery, but I'm going for Sean Maloney, the Scottish attacking midfielder who actually apparently I'm looking right now. He's Scottish, but he was born in Malaysia, and <laughs> it's really random. I was not expecting that because you look at this guy, and he just looks like the most bang average Scottish guy. But the Greatest Malaysian import for the past 30 years. That's right. Well, this guy had a good resume, 104 appearances for a Celtic, Aston Villa 30, went back to Celtic, 54 more appearances, 79 appearances for Wigan, and he had a decent amount of goals coming in from the midfield and the wing. Chicago signs him from Wigan, and just 14 appearances in the 2015 season, scores three goals, not terrible, but just for the expectations that were laid on him, and he was a designated player, just lasting not even a half of a season really disappointing and since then he has been a national team assistant for belgium in the 2018 world cup and now he's a manager at wigan was that when thierry Henry was with belgium as well i believe so yeah really do these guys just bumping bumping shoulders bumping elbows with the belgium national team Really random, really random poll, but <laughs> just Jacob just showed me a picture of this just most milk toast dude wearing a Belgium like polo. <laughs> Congratulations to Sean Maloney. Dude, this least... guy, I'm looking at his like career stats, and his best year was in yet again 2006. <laughs> I'm sensing a, I'm sensing a trend here. With uh, he had 13 goals and uh, 14 assists which is pretty lights out. But then when you look at the two seasons around that, the season before that, zero goals, zero assists. The season after that, zero goals, three assists. 
So that he only had one year where he hit double digits throughout the year. Um, he just doesn't really look. I mean, I don't know. I I wouldn't have signed him if I was an athletic director for one of these uh, clubs. Yeah, it's for me. It's another one of those moves where it's like you can sign a player like this, but don't go all in and hedge your bets on him because he was their big designated player at the time. Moving on, this one hurts for me. FC Cincinnati, like Chicago, they were good last year, but before that, three straight wooden spoons, so there was there was a lot to choose from. But for them, it had to be Fernando Adi, their first designated player. He Dude, came, the guy who helped them win the USL championship came in first place? Yeah, they were going to win that either way. And so, yeah, he comes from Portland, and he scored... 54 goals for Portland, and then I don't know what happened here. He he went to Cincinnati. He was injured. He didn't play much. He's their first designated player. He was like a million-dollar deal of allocation money. He went there, couldn't do much, and then got arrested for DUI, and... <laughs> He got my man was hanging out with Liam Ridgewell for too long. Exactly, that's been a weird Portland problem. But also, his only driver's license was a Ukrainian driver's license from his time <laughs> over there. So, dude hasn't been in Ukraine since 2011. <laughs> Gets arrested almost ten years later with a Ukrainian license. <laughs> yeah, just didn't didn't work out for them. Twelve appearances, one goal. <laughs> And it was in the U.S. Open Cup. <laughs> oh, Fernando Adi. Dude, I love that we guy. We love Fernando Adi. He- I'll never forget. I was at the game where he uh, hoisted up Timber Joey's, like, chainsaw and did that, like, iconic celebration. He's just it, an iconic Timbers player. Guy, like, held the, the top goal scorer for us for a little while. So, I mean, I love Fernando Adi, but he was just terrible at Cincinnati. He kind of struggled with injuries. Dude was bouncing back and forth between Cincinnati and Kaiser Oregon men's league games. Yeah, we're in our local town here. He was apparently spotted playing just rec soccer with a bunch of pickup people. So, But then that was like in between when he was playing for Minnesota United. So I don't know what was going on there. Anyway, Fernando Adi for Cincinnati. Moving on to Columbus. This was kind of a tough one for us because at least since we've been watching the league, Columbus has been somewhat solid. They've won a championship, been to another final, but we went for Emro Tarek and decided to kick the man while he's down. Maybe it was because recency bias, seeing him just roof a ball into his own net in the Dominican Republic. That's so hard, but a whopping one appearance. And I remember when this one came through, he was playing in Egypt, but he was on loan from Real Betis and we're like, oh, well, Columbus is signing a guy who's, you know, on the La Liga roster. You know, that's kind of cool. He's on 400K a year, I believe. And he made a whopping one appearance spanning three minutes. That is the epitome of just mediocre. Not even mediocre, just terrible. I. Like you said, it was kind of hard to find a, a guy for Columbus, but I mean, when you sign sign a guy like that, and then he only appears for you for three minutes, it's pretty pretty unfortunate. Moving on, DC United, one of the most historic clubs in the league, so led like twenty five years of players to choose from. Went for Edison Flores. He was a club record transfer, um, and I think he still is, unless they've I don't think they've broken that, but they got him in twenty twenty. And it was that COVID season, but 41 appearances in three years, three goals. And he was just really disappointing, and he just wasn't doing it for them. He's a Peru national team player, and he was pretty successful in Mexico. He's back in Mexico now. Maybe maybe I'm just biased because at the Timbers game, whenever me and Chase go to a Timbers game, we always like to keep note of like what the most obscure soccer jersey or piece of memorabilia is because it feels like every time you go to an mls game you'll just see a dude wearing like a a a southampton jersey just out of nowhere but we saw a guy wearing a peru like national team warm-up jacket so yeah i was gonna ask you what was the most obscure we saw but i think we saw 
a Peru warm-up jacket last night while we were having dinner. I spotted out the window a guy walking down the street with a Philadelphia Union warm-up jumper on. I think I saw a, a Chicago Fire scarf on somebody. When we were leaving, I saw a guy wearing a Wrexham uh, scarf. I did see that, too. You know that guy's probably like, this is the first MLS game he's ever been to, and he swears Wrexham could beat LAFC. <laughs> just because they play across and, the ocean. Just because they have British accents. Moving on. Inner miami and this is another one where there was a few good choices here. Ultimately, we went for Matuidi. They signed him and Gonzalo Higuain from Juventus um, ahead of during their first season midway through, and it seemed like good moves. You know, Matuidi had just won the World Cup like less than two years prior. Higuain, big player in Europe, but Matuidi didn't exactly light the league up. He played like that first season and then part of that next season, but didn't play at all last year, even though he was on the books for them, and then just retired. And then also, most notably, he was the player, I believe, when they caught caught pretty much having an extra DP. So he was one of the players they wasted a DP slot on and ruined their like transfer expenses for the next few years or whatever. So Inter Miami just already starting to be like a top European club and just breaching financial fair play. <laughs> And MLS. Yeah, just not super impressed with Matuidi with his time here. It just definitely seemed like he was here to collect a paycheck. But let's go on to the next guy. A guy that I hyped up as somebody that I thought was going to be pretty pretty good in the league. Ake Loba. Yeah, and you know, he came over from Liga MX and yeah, big was supposed to be like the guy for, for Nashville. You know, since they've been in the league, they've been in defense uh, prioritized team, but this guy was supposed to be the answer. Didn't really do too hot in the league, and now that he's been back in Mexico, he's scoring again, so I don't know what that says to me. Yeah, he spent two years with Nashville, scored two goals, and had one assist across nearly, I think, 40 appearances. You know it's bad when Gary Smith was throwing CJ Sapong and Teal Bunbury up top <laughs> instead of their DP big money striker. If you're getting outplayed by guys that play with Charlie Davies, then you know your career is not on a good path. Yeah, moving on. This one, this was all Chase. I'm not going to take any credit for this because I disagree, but Kenny Cooper from Montreal. Kenny Cooper. And Kenny Cooper went to Montreal. It was hard to find one for Montreal, but as soon as I saw Kenny Cooper played one game for Montreal in the Voyager Cup, and I think he, like, tore his ACL or, like, blew his knee out after, like, one half of playing. Ended his career Ended his career there, yeah. And oh, that's so sad because that I love Kenny Cooper, too. Yeah, he was there for the first season of the Timbers in MLS, so he's, like, a fan favorite. But, yeah, Montreal, this one is just more just unfortunate because he's been a he's a good depth striker at, at in the league at his age coming off the bench but then went to Montreal and just blew out his leg so moving on to New England Revolution probably another more recency bias pick here but Josie Altidore Bruce Arena decided let's bring back that 2017 Trinidad and Tobago squad and he brought back Bobby Wood, Josie Altidore, Omar Gonzalez. What, did, what is Bruce thinking, man? What is he? It's like he's getting the old gang back together. I don't know. Altidore has been terrible for them. First year, he got 17 appearances, put up one goal, zero assists. Left to Mexico, put up two goals in six games there, and then he's come back, hasn't played since. Yeah, and he's like, I don't even think he's made an appearance this season. He's buried on the depth chart by Bobby Wood. So I think that's all <laughs> you I You have need. to retire if that happens to you. You have to retire just out of embarrassment. I mean, Altidore's had such a good, just solid career, had some really great years with Toronto, put up some good uh, performances in Europe. Definitely like uh, just a legend for U.S. soccer. I was going to say, I, I miss, like and, this new generation's better, but I miss that era with Donovan and Altidore and Tim Howard and that, Dempsey. That underdog mentality, those guys that were like angry at the world 
and just were ready to prove themselves. And now you just see them all just <laughs> any any of those guys that are still playing are just like just suffering. Moving on, New York Red Bulls, Rafa Marquez, and this guy's just a prick. <laughs> Famously quoted for saying moving to the MLS was the worst decision he ever made. Dude, that guy Yeah, he came he was at the Red Bulls from Barcelona. He kind of did the Henri pathway. But yeah, he was there for about three seasons, 44 appearances. It w- wasn't like terrible. Like he wasn't awful, but he was constantly suspended, injured, didn't seem committed from what I saw. I kind of treated it like a joke and kind of confusing because this guy played another like six years, you know, after this. So I don't know what his deal was. Like he thought he was so much better than the league, thought he was better than his teammates when he was playing on the same team as Thierry Henry and Tim Cahill. But he put up the same stats that he did when he was at Barcelona. I mean, and looking back through his stats at Barcelona – he played there from 2003 to 2010. He put up, I'm going to just read in order, all seven of his seasons. One goal, three goals, zero goals, one goal, two goals, one goal, one goal. So across his time there, scored almost 10 goals. And then in his three years with uh, Red Bulls, put up one goal and seven assists. So the guy was just terrible in MLS, couldn't handle the heat of the league, couldn't handle the the traveling, the guy just wasn't cut out for this type of soccer. Agreed. Thank you for calling it soccer. Moving on, NYCFC. This one, for me, was really easy. Andrea Pirlo. Which I hate, pains me to say, because I really love Pirlo as a player. Like, especially towards, like, his latter days in Juventus, I loved watching a guy that just could care less about running. Dude, he was a garden gnome for NYCFC. Do you Dude walked that? around, but his touch on the ball and his passing was just immaculate. Like, I've never seen anybody pass the ball better than Pirlo, but when he came to NYCFC, it definitely seemed like he had already retired, and he was just out there to, like, help them sell jerseys, just help them kind of build their brand. He reminds me, like, the opposite of Kaká. Kaká came when he was older, but, you know, came and he was fit, and he was really good for Orlando. Cared. He's, like, a good ambassador for the league. Pirlo didn't give a rip. I don't. You remember that viral clip of like the corner kick goal, and it's like Pirlo. It's like I forget who they're playing, but somebody swings in a corner, and NYC is defending. First of all, I don't know why, but Pirlo was on the post, like defending on the near post, and the ball just swings in. Somebody heads it in, just literally right above his head. And if he jumped like two inches, he could have maybe given an attempt on that ball, but. I think that sums up his career at NYC you know, well. You know what's crazy is like we all remember Pirlo kind of similar to Frank Lampard is like he didn't play a ton. He just kind of like wasn't out there. But in 2016, he had 32 starts for NYCFC. For Pirlo? Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. I didn't realize that until just looking at his stats right now. He's, he only put up one goal and six assists that season so with a total of like 2,700 minutes. So it kind of indicates that he was subbed out pretty Pretty often throughout those games, but still, yeah. When I, you, I love Pirlo. Just did nothing in MLS. When you could see a guy like Pirlo, just a corpse walking around, who's like <laughs> five foot six. When you have players like Dairon Espria or like a, these big bodies, you know, blasting by him, you know, I I just didn't see. I was confused by that signing. But moving on, Orlando City and Chase. I'm gonna let you take the reins here because you've got some interesting stuff about Sean Saint Ledger. Yeah. What do you, I mean, this guy came to the league, played for Colorado, actually, played for the biggest club in the league, came from Ipswich Town to Colorado, Uh, got 12 starts, one assist, uh, moved on to Orlando, played 15 games in their inaugural season in 2015 before being let go for breaching club policy rules or something like that. So just not a good look for your club when one of your like inaugural season like center backs, the guy that's supposed to help anchor your team, just comes in and just breaches some club policy and you have to let him go. Can I get some specifics on that? Can you find anything? Like what did he do? I honestly I haven't looked too too much into it, but the dude took like a, a gap year, like as if he just graduated high school and wasn't ready for college, just took a year off and then ended up continuing playing a year later. But I, I didn't really look up and see what he did exactly. Just 
all I know is the man was not there. Whatever it for was, the right reasons. It was bad enough for Orlando not to suspend him or anything, but just terminate him, contract wise. All all I'm finding from what I've seen around the internet was a serious breach of club policy. <laughs> so the same thing, just with the word serious. Just serious breach of of club policy. Moving on, Philadelphia Union. This was uh, you had to go kind of far back for them. Because they've been so lights out. But you remember watching the 2014 World Cup. Algeria was a really fun team. I remember they gave Germany the best run for their money at that World Cup. Germany the best, the the ending up champions. And they lost 2-1. to one. But watching Algeria, I remember watching their goalkeeper just popping off. Rice and Boli. Their Algerian, Algerian goalkeeper, so much experience in Europe. And then Philadelphia signed this guy as a DP goalkeeper, which is already in MLS a very strange move. And this guy, across like one and a half seasons, just was not it. He had nine appearances only. He wore the number 92 <laughs> shirt, and he got signed What's in... This dude a pro club's goalie? What the heck? He signed right after the World Cup, that month after the final... In 2014 but his debut was delayed another month because he got in a car accident and then had uh, paperwork issues and yeah he actually got benched by Jim Curtin um, during the season so and then so he signed in 2014 and then a few matches later in 2015 Jim Curtin while he was still on contract said Mboli would never play for the club again while he was still in the squad Respect to that. Respect for being just a strong leader there and just knowing that this guy is not going to see the field very much for you. And last but maybe least, Toronto FC, we have... This is kind of a tricky one because Toronto's had a lot of misses. Terrence Boyd, Gilberto throwing it back more. I wouldn't call Jermaine Defoe a bad player for them because he scored a lot of goals, but didn't seem like he was committed. We went for MLS villain Dom Dwyer. You know, I actually really liked Dom Dwyer for a long time when he was at KC. Um, and then after he left, he just quickly became a guy that was not really fun to watch, didn't really put up good numbers, and was just kind of a bit of a prick on the field. Yeah, and this was like, for Toronto FC, kind of their the start of their decline because they were, <laughs> they were so good with Giovinco... And they replaced him with the one and only Dom Dwyer. And, I mean, yeah, this guy was never going to be the replacement, but he was looking to be striker depth because, yeah, he was for Kansas City and he was a hot commodity in the league. He was sought out after 67 appearances for Orlando when he got traded, 24 goals. That's pretty good stats. Went to Toronto, 14 appearances, zero goals, and... Yeah, both 2021 and 2022 were just not great years for Atlanta, and that's when he was there. Just no goals. I don't think he had any assists. He just... He put up a few goals for Atlanta. He didn't have any goals for Toronto. In twenty. He only played there 2021. He had zero goals, one assist. I was going to say, And then yeah. he played for Atlanta last year and put up four goals, zero assists. He almost had that banger for Atlanta, though, that ended up being like almost save of the year from that. I believe it was save of the year, yeah, and that was, that was an awesome. Seemed like he kind of, I wouldn't say got back into form, but you know, he was doing doing better for he sure. Scored four more goals than he did the year before, so that's good. Currently a free agent, though. I wonder if he'll get picked up. He's only thirty two. Do you remember when he played on the national team for the U.S. a bit? Yeah. Yeah, after he finally got his citizenship, it was kind of similar to like the Nagby thing. The guy had been in the U.S. forever and then finally got his citizenship and got a little bit of a run in with the national team. It was 2017, that uh, that cursed year for the U.S. So that that's it for worst club signings for, for that the That concludes Conference. it, huh? Yep, that's it. So we're just going to round off here with a quick couple looking ahead to a few games next weekend and give you guys some analysis and just talk about some intriguing matchups. So first, we've got CCL again next week, but I think we have to start Seattle hosting LAFC. 
I think this is going to be a blockbuster game. Uh, Seattle and LA both really strong contenders for that top spot in the West. LAFC has just looked solid. I mean, they kind of handled Portland last week. I think they're going to do really well against New England tonight. Um, Seattle seems like they've done pretty well. They had kind of a little bit of a run-in with Cincy. But I think LAFC is going to handle them. Um, I don't think Seattle's really quite up to speed with how Seattle or LAFC is, but I think LAFC is going to handle in this game. I agree. Yeah, I think, I think especially with Seattle with having a bear injured, I believe he'll be out again. Rui Diaz isn't fully fit, so they either play a not fit Rui Diaz, Jordan Morris moving from the wing where he's been pretty effective up top, or Freddie Montero who hasn't looked that great this season. So yeah, I think LAFC. I'm going to go LAFC 3-1. Yeah, I think LAFC is going to win it as well. Just looking across the board, I I would pick most of LAFC's team over Seattle, and that's just me kind of being more neutral with it. Their midfield, I think, is stronger. Cifuentes, I think, is going to be really crucial for them throughout this game. Um, I'm going to go ahead and go 2-0. I don't think Seattle is going to be able to create much not having any either, like, I mean, they'll have Montero up there, but they won't have a Bear or uh, Rui Diaz to help them. It's a good shout. Next one, another intriguing one. New England hosting Nashville, both teams undefeated as of this podcast. But, yeah, New England's been strong. Another game at home for them. And then Nashville on the road I'm always intrigued with because they're such a strong home side, but I never really think of them doing well on the road. But, you know, the... The great thing about this matchup, it's the Dave Romney revenge game. Dave Romney, Mitt Romney, the president candidate, his nephew plays for New England, and he used to play for Nashville. So, Yeah, it's. I think it'll be an interesting game. Nashville kind of, to me, sets up as a team that's always playing on the road. Like They just kind of want to defend and, and find their way out through their, their strong attacking players. They don't really play super expansive little bit similar to timbers we don't play like a really possession-based expansive style Um, but i think the bruce arena effect is going to be strong in this home fixture for new england i think they're going to pull out a 2-0 win new england three dave romney hat trick (laughs) just kidding i think new england though wins one nil nashville too is They've only worn that new black kit. They haven't worn their yellow main jersey at all. Yet. Respect to Johnny Cash, dude. That's why. That's right. And then rounding off for our games of the week, NYCFC hosting DC. Didn't expect to have a DC United game as one of my top games, but with what, like you mentioned, the the addition of James Sands and Santi Rodriguez back for NYC, and with how DC's kind of been. Not lights out, but surprisingly adequate. I think <laughs> I think it'll be a good game. It seems like DC's been they're getting good chances in the box either way. Benteke's been active. I know he's not been scoring a bunch, but I mean this, this will be a good game, I think. I think it's gonna be a good game, but it's not gonna be a high scoring game. Um Talis Magno up top for NYFCFC does not look good. The guy has to be on the wing, but they don't really have another striker to put him put out there, so I don't think it's going to be a a really high-scoring game. Benteke, like I said, just the guy finds opportunity as a really good kind of knack to find himself in good spots to score goals. The dude just can't score goals. So it's going to be, important. yeah, as, as a striker, it's kind of important. He's probably like lights out in training. Like when people are trying like 10% less, like the dude probably just finds himself in these opportunities where he's just like tapping in goals. And Wayne Rooney's just super hyping him up and just then scoring against Steve Birnbaum in practice, <laughs> banging him in. And then then the games come around and he just, you know, finds himself in those opportunities and just skies them. I'm gonna go I'm gonna go two one DC. This is where we'll disagree. I'm gonna go the inverse. Two one DC loses. Bonus points if you can spot the NYCFC uh, championship banner on the on your TV. <laughs> no way anybody could see that like little speck postage stamp. Well, that wraps it up, Chase. What else? What else do you have for us? That's it. That's all we had to discuss today. That was a solid. I think next week we're gonna go over the worst signings for every uh, Western Conference team. But 
it's, uh, it's kind of fun being a little bit pessimistic about the league and looking at some of the worst players to ever grace it. You say that like you you don't criticize Sapong, Teal Bunbury, Zach McMath, or not Zach McMath, Hector Herrera. I would never, never criticize Zach McMath. I love that man. Van Rankin, Alvis Van, Powell. Okay, Van Rankin deserves it. And Alvis Powell just skies every cross he has like over the bar. It's kind of how I felt watching the Timbers try and put a shot on target. That Santi Moreno shot that just <sighs> scuffed way wide. That was our moment. Anyway, thank you guys for tuning in to the MLS Net Boys podcast. Keegan Hughes, come on the show.